So, um, final remarks. Um, of course, to um, thank the Danish Humanity in Action Board for this, um, led by Andres, and of course uh, to the staff led by Torben, by Magnus, not Torben, Magnus. Um, so, um, in answer to one of the questions about uh, what have we learned, um, what do we do, um, I would suggest that one of the things we do is engage in humanity in action, which is to look to younger people to understand the past and to focus on the present, to have a sense, a kind of smell for what extremism is and what danger is, and to act before the bad guys get power. And that's part of what we're doing. So I'd like to introduce you to um, the senior fellows who are here and to the directors, and I wonder if they would stand up so that you can see who they are. All the senior fellows who are here, would you stand up? So um, this, this uh, conference has produced many things, uh, three days of, of rather rigorous, exhausting um, talks. Um, it's, it's comparable to what we do in the summer program where everybody is exhausted, but that's just the name of the game. Uh, we don't eat as well in the summer program as we have here, but I mean, we imagine we could if we're in Denmark, but it doesn't quite work that way, so we're very specially treated now. Um, there have been many products of this conference, uh, two books, uh, which you've seen, uh, an exhibition at, um, at Politiken, which is beautiful. And then there's a product that has just occurred at this conference, and that is that Cornelia's book, which was translated into Danish and German, will be translated into English. And that has happened at this conference. So we are absolutely delighted. So, um, for me, this, um, this conference is a, a, provides a sense of fulfillment and uh, deep appreciation. Um, over 18 years ago, uh, I asked Herbert if we could put together a program for university students in Denmark and the United States to try to understand the rescue of Jews in Denmark. Um, he said yes. Um, although I believe he secretly harbored some skepticism as to whether we would do a credible job. Um, nevertheless, we promised each other, I mean, I promised him, and he almost believed me, that um, this would not be some adventure in creating simplistic explanations. Is that correct, Herb? Yes. And, and um, that, we would, that we would not embellish the myths and the legends about the, the rescue. So we intended from the beginning to deal with complexities and to deal with all the difficult challenges that that history represents. And so this conference is, in fact, an impressive result of 15 years of work in the Netherlands. I mean, Denmark. <laughs> what is going on? Are we have programs in Denmark, Netherlands, Poland, France. And what other country? And Germany, right. I'm very confused. This, this last panel discussion threw me off. What can I tell you? So we deal with those issues in the summer programs. Um, but anyway. Um, in any case, this conference has proved, I think, the essential importance of the history of the rescue. 
it is, was the fundamental aspect for creating humanity in action. Not so much Denmark, but what made the rescue possible. And what can we learn from it? And so today, uh, seven years after and three days after this conference um, in Denmark, as opposed to the Netherlands, um, uh, we still have difficulties understanding the complete history. The expectations and the ambiguities of German actions um, as occupiers um, at all different levels of authority and power, the knowledge, the action, and values of Danish Christians working from different positions and locations in the country, and the fearful and often chaotic responses of Danish Jews and immigrant Jews in Denmark to the dangers of anti-Semitism. Nevertheless, in the ensuing years, we've accumulated knowledge and very much working within the Danish program. We've accumulated knowledge and memories to form a history of this unique and in the context of the Holocaust, a miraculous escape that sustained the Jewish community and enabled it to return to Denmark almost intact in 1945. I refrain from using the word heroic because Danes have an aversion to the concept. But unique and miraculous are fully justified, despite the betrayals and greed of some Danes in regard to the Jews. No other country, qua country, meaning civil servants in significant parts of the population in Western Europe, protected their Jewish countrymen from Jewish racial hatred, German racial hatred, degradation, starvation, violence, and death. The Danish response was so unusual that it almost seems miraculous. The word evokes many meanings, such as supernatural and magical. I don't use it in those ways. Instead, I think it is remarkable and exceptional, and those are appropriate meanings. I would suggest, following the lead of of Bo and of Sophie and of Cecilia, that the rescue was built upon shared moral values, expressed most significantly through the development of the welfare state, and the fact that in the 30s, Denmark worked to make a conflation between anti-Germanism and fighting anti-Semitism. To be Danish was to resist anti-Semitism. This is absolutely unique. And that this entered the fiber of the Danish individuals and of the collectivity. When tested by the Germans, accepting Jews as Danes was the decent thing to do. Protecting Jews as a means of finally and openly resisting the Germans was a redemptive thing to do. And accepting Jews as equally valuable human beings was a Christian thing to do. In 1989, Saul Friedlander, one of the great historians of Nazi Germany and the Holocaust, wrote his autobiography, When Memory Comes. His family, assimilated from assimilated Jews from Prague, escaped to France in the late 30s. With the German invasion in 1940, they fled into the French countryside. He recalled his sick father in 1941, living in a, and I quote, a sort of worldless sadness, having chosen not to flee to Sweden or to Palestine, away from Hitler, as did other members of the family. What could my father have done? Nothing depended on him now. 
a safer hiding place dependent on the goodwill of others, as did fleeing the country. Rebellion had no meaning for the few scattered Jews who saw the vise closing. Whom could they attack? And thus the tragedy of his father and mother who were deported. And I quote, My father was hunted down for what he had refused to remain, a Jew. What he wanted to become, a man like others, had been taken away from him, leaving him no possible recourse. He was being refused the right to live and no longer even knew what to die for. Much more than the impossibility of acting, his desperate straits had become an impossibility of living. It's important to state that 75% of the Jews of metropolitan France, protected by French countrymen, survived the German occupation and the collaborationist and anti-Semitic Pétain government. However, approximately 73,000 were deported, including 24,000 French Jews. The Danish Jews were different, but only because of other Danish people. Like Friedlander's father, Danish Jews, many of them assimilated, were passive, lulled into believing that they would be spared, afraid to act. But they could turn to others significantly, and others knew how to turn to them. They could follow the lead of protectors. There was a way to escape to Sweden. We know this. This is the memory that Jews hold. This is the history that I think gives honor to the Danish people. But what does that history mean today? And what is its relevance? And what are the conceptual tools we, humanity in action, and a broader public need to find to sustain that history? The time for recalling memories, however painful and incomplete, is just about over. Those like Friedlander, who took years to unlock the past and to try to understand, have done their work. And we can no longer depend upon the impact of personal connections to that past. I would like to suggest that we continue to seek to understand that history in the context of resilience and of resistance. In fact, this was the founding precept of humanity in action. Resilience and resistance are usually discussed in terms of, of trauma, particularly for children who've experienced abuse and for victims of soldiers in war. But resilience and, res and resistance are concepts that relate not only to individual responses, but also embrace collective action, trusting others, working together towards shared goals with common values, drawing upon the resources and strengths of many people. Resilience and resistance through collective action and the action of civil society need to inform contemporary challenges where we encounter circumstances of loss and calamity, whether it be in the destruction of our environments, the seemingly insolvable conflicts in the Middle East and Africa, the inadequacies of our economic systems, especially in the United States, that fail to provide basic needs for our societies. And in the United States, I would suggest today, the political paralysis in government, which has driven some, to some significant degree, by racial bias. So, this history um, of Denmark is as revealed in this remarkable conference is, we know, deeply complicated and nuanced. 
It is clear that there was much suffering and in too many quarters complicity with the Germans. The rescue was not purely altruistic, we know that, as romanticized by the Americans. Danish Jews were captured and sent to Theresienstadt, suffered deeply during the war and for decades after. And they mostly kept the traumas embedded in themselves, ever thankful for the sustenance they received, food, clothing, and vitamins sent from Denmark, ever thankful for the understanding worked out between Best and Eichmann that they would not be sent further east to an extermination camp, ever thankful for liberation from the camp by the Danes and the Danish and Swedish Red Cross before the end of the war, ever thankful that they were the exception, as our esteemed Rabbi Bent Melchior said. It is customary for Jews to be expelled, but rarely, ever so rarely, to be welcomed back from expulsion. So Danish civil servants, and this is very key, and government people and organizations assumed responsibility to protect the Danish Jews, deported to Theresienstadt and those who went to Sweden. How extraordinary that beyond the Danish borders, the Jews were still Danes. This was defiance. This was resilience. This was, this was resistance to the despicable fascist actions and beliefs. And it was all done in the Danish spirit of collective values and behaviors. Thus, despite the bystanders and collaborators, this unique national model of resilience and resistance still serves as an example of collective action based upon shared values that saved a threatened minority. Humans are humans only, Claude Lanzmann wrote in his autobiography, The Patagonian Hare, because they have the capacity to transform that which oppresses them into something of value and to sacrifice themselves for it. It is the very essence of humanity, but could also be called tradition or even more culture. In the Danish case, it was both the liberal Christian tradition and the culture of social responsibility and the sense of who is the we. There is still much to learn, and we will continue to work on it in Humanity in Action in Denmark and other places, and to make relevant to our contemporary challenges, and to make them relevant. Humanity in Action remains committed to the premise that Herbert agreed to in 1997. Let us probe with diligence and objectivity Denmark's complex and unique history during the war and the Holocaust and commend the history of individual and collective resilience and resistance that remains deeply meaningful. And let us to continue to do it by collective international inquiry through international conferences such as this and through the ever-growing community of humanity in action of people who are engaged, who are fighting extremism and hate speech, who are promoting democracy, justice, historical knowledge, and the public good. Thank you. Thank you, Judith. Um, I would like to fill in a few words on substance as well. Um, 
we decided to do this conference as a kind of commemoration on this 70-year anniversary, uh, trying to, to focus on the dedication and courage of people who decided uh, to act and to help people in need. And I think the great part of this conference has been to be reminded that there were a lot of people of that kind in this country and there were people of the same kind in Germany and in other countries of Europe. What we faced and what we will face is what uh, Sean Pinn actually called uh, the question of whether people do what they can do. And this, I think, is a very good uh, uh, sentence for us to remember in Humanity in Action because this is what it's all about. Do we actually do what we are capable of doing when there's need for it? Partly I think the focus has been wrong because we have been uh, dealing with what could be done when it was almost too late. But the more we talk about it, the more I, I, I have to admit, the more I'm convinced that something could have been done before. And the question, in, you know, in Denmark it's often said now, until Ulrich Herbert yesterday said that uh, Werner Best should have been sentenced to death. This was a very remarkable sentence to us Danes because we are almost told that Best somewhere was a good guy, a soft person who actually wanted the, the Danish Jews to be saved. But the basic problem was that a minority in Denmark couldn't go back to their own rooms, their own beds, the night between the 1st and 2nd of October '43. And uh, Werner Best, and as a lawyer and his apologist, may say later that he was, sat he was satisfied with people reaching Sweden. But that's as a cat or a wolf or a tiger appreciating the game with the mice. He may have found some satisfaction or acceptance in the fact that people reached Sweden. But in between, he had... Uh, subjected a minority to the terror that they couldn't go back. And if we are being told by historians that this was almost a picnic, it's only true compared to the people who perished in Auschwitz. Because what he subjected people to was that they couldn't go back, that they would have to ask for favors and, and uh, <coughs> protection from people they didn't know. They would have to be uh, scared for days, not knowing if they could find a boat. They would have to be scared, not knowing if they would, could find a doctor to put them in a, a hospital, whether they could find a, for a, a stranger in a taxi taking them uh, to a fisherman's village. This was terror, and it was the work of Werner Best. It certainly wasn't a picnic, and the whole question... Uh, before that was whether something could have been done in Denmark and other countries. While we did the, the, uh, the book with the collection of documents, we found a lot of applications from people in this country uh, applying for visas to Sweden in the first half of 43. Um, it's my basic assumption and I think experience that flows of refugees are generally very clever. You rarely ever see flows of refugees running in the wrong direction. 
people have a very clear sense of where they will find protection and when they will find a need to flee. So the same happened in Europe. Minorities of Europe knew there was a reason to flee and they knew very early, but borders were close to them. It happened in Denmark as well that people applied in the winter 42-43 onwards to get to Sweden. They could, a lot of them couldn't leave Denmark and all of them couldn't reach uh, or be allowed into Sweden. Uh, I realized that one in this uh, queue of people uh, seeking refuge was my grandfather and uh, he was applying with another group of people and they weren't allowed into Sweden. Later he found himself in a fisher boat. I don't consider that a picnic. Someone, some country should have acted before and they didn't. And I was, I, I couldn't keep thinking of, of uh, another family member, my grandmother who at the time was in Finland. And um, I was raised in a somewhat culturally uh, conservative family uh, which put big uh, emphasis on uh, good manners we were there, well I was and my mother was taught uh, to behave and eat nicely and remember all the rules but I, when I was about 12 uh, I was told about a dinner at my grandmother's place in Finland uh, they had invited us probably a big uh, dinner party, a lot of people. It must have been around 41, and uh, the conversation started on Germany and Nazism, and it appeared that people in the party uh, shared Nazi uh, views and Nazi uh, prejudice against Jews. I don't know what they did in, in this dinner party, uh, since my grandmother was Jewish but they had this argument and I, I knew, I thought I knew as a 12 year old that when you have a dinner party you try to reflect on things and you debate and you talk and if it gets sensitive you find another subject <laughs> but the story I had was they didn't change the subject my grandmother rose and, and told the dinner party, sorry, this is it. I cannot accept that we talk about uh, the Jewish minority as the Nazis would like it to happen, not in my home. And to me, this was the most extraordinary thing. To, to finish off a dinner party with people you had invited yourself because you realized that you couldn't reach a uh, compromise or a solution uh, acceptable to all and to me it's, uh, it's, it has uh, saved a, a rule which is not a rule for dinner parties uh, but I think it's uh, uh, a rule or a recommendation for all of us that there are times we have to say no and people didn't say no to uh, Nazism in the 30s, and they didn't say no to Nazism in the beginning of the 40s. And we've been talking a lot about states and governments and war and, and rules, but basically this is all about ourselves. 
It's all about the limits we face every day when we read our papers, we enter political discussions, we listen to political debates about foreigners and limits and how we behave to each other. There are times we should say, no, the party is over, we don't follow this, we don't accept it. And to me, this is humanity in action as well. The, what we try to do is here is not to be passive uh, passengers in history, but try to take history upon ourselves and do what actually Sean Pinn said, to do what we can. Thank you very much.